0: This is Proxilla Radio, the UK's first dedicated progressive rock music radio network.
1: You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans, for Genesis fans. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Tabletop Genesis. This is Mike Lord.
2: This is Ellie.
1: This is David Frost. Sorry, this is <laughs> Simon
0: Godfrey. This is Stacy.
1: This is Tom. And we are here to talk about Seconds Out, the second live album from Genesis. Regular listeners of the podcast may realize that, hey, didn't you guys talk about Seconds Out already? And yeah, we did. We did we as kind of a supplement to the Wind and Weathering episode, we did an episode. Uh, we did an episode that talked about the tour and seconds out in general terms.
0: I think Spot the Pigeon as well,
1: didn't Yes. Mm-hmm. And kind of the bonus track, bonus EP of Spot the Pigeon. And so we've decided on upon deep reflection that we really wanted to give second out seconds out its due and really go through it track by track. Uh, we're not going to necessarily get into the details of some of the songs like for example robbery assault and battery is on trick of the tail and we haven't talked about trick of the tail yet we're going to talk about it more in the context of performance and less about oh this is what this song means but before we do
0: anything simon it is wikipedia time yes seconds out is the second live album from english rock band genesis released as a double album in october of 1977 on charisma records it is formed of recordings from their four dates at the Palais de Sports in Paris, or, or as we English uh, say, the Palais de Sports <laughs> in Paris, in June of 1977 on their Wind and Wuthering tour. The cinema show was recorded in 1976 at the Pavilion de Paris during their Trick of the Tail tour. Seconds Out received average to positive reviews upon its release and reached number four in the UK and number 47 in the US. Its release coincided with the departure of guitarist Steve Hackett, who left the group during the album mixing stages, thus reducing genesis to the core trio of keyboardist Tony Banks, guitarist Mike Rutherford and drummer and singer Phil Collins, who recorded And Then There Were Three by This Time. Seconds Out has been released to full CD in 1994 and 2009, the latter as part of the Genesis Live 73 to 2007 box set.
3: So this year is the 40th anniversary of this
2: album?
1: It is. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's uh it's getting up there.
2: Hey
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Something else is turning 40 this all year Alright, alright so <laughs> Star Wars Oh yeah, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. There's, there's
1: a lot of great yes. anniversaries to celebrate this yes. year And that is one of them <laughs> Seconds out, Star Wars Stacy's birthday <laughs> And um, every year it happens It just happens to be a round number this year This is not the first live album I had of Genesis That was probably Three Sides Live but this was definitely the second one. And it's, it's a great summation of Genesis from 1970 to 77. I think it's wonderful.
0: I agree. And actually, um, if, if you get a chance, boys and girls out there in Internet land, there is um, a wonderful bootleg um, on the same tour in, I think it's Brazil.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Um, which um, I was given by uh, a friend of mine um, when I was back in England. I didn't listen to it for years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for the preparation of for the previous podcast, I mean, I'm guessing we're calling this Seconds Out Redux or sure. <laughs> Two or something. Yes. Electric Boogaloo. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, uh, and I listened to it and I was amazed uh, at exactly how similar a feel, albeit a little less polished, mm-hmm that those Brazilian dates um, had. Uh, there was an immense power to those. And uh, and I think it just goes to show that um, this was the time, whereas uh, the earlier period of, of Genesis, like the Genesis Live album, mm-hmm. for example, was very much uh, a, a creature of its time. It was all about the, the weirdness, the mm-hmm. darkness. This, I think, signalled, and I think Stacey might have mentioned this in the previous uh, Seconds Out uh, uh, podcast, but it, it deserves repeating, this is the time of the beginning of the bombast period mm, sure. of Genesis, the, the big, wide, epic, live sound that they, that they had. Um, and it was also, and I've mentioned this in the previous episode, it was, I think it was my very first exposure to Genesis. A friend of mine uh, had bought it when we were at college and we listened to it together and it was like nothing I'd ever heard before and it knocked my socks off. Yeah. It's a great album and um, I think that
1: this is when you realise kind of as as if you get deeper into this band you realise kind of what a transition this album was or what what was going on right after it too uh, with Steve leaving during the mixing of it and it's because of that, it has attained even more of a gravitas about it, I
2: think. Yeah, I think before, they were playing these songs, mm-hmm. and at this point now they're performing them. Yes. So they're, they truly are translating them for mm-hmm. the live show, where I think, you know, I hear Genesis Live, and to me it sounds like, we got to get every note right that we had on okay. the album, you know, on stage. Mm-hmm. And it that is also a great album, but mm-hmm. here as Simon said, this is where they started that that period of, mm-hmm. all right, this is we're taking the song and we're making it our live version.
1: Yeah, we we they had much more of a a professional feel about yeah. them now. And they they were
2: And they're playing, yeah, yeah, and they're they playing bigger they're playing bigger over... venues so yeah. that they, they had to fill it with that big yeah. wall of sound. And, it, it,
0: yeah. it might be also interesting to note that when I listen to live albums during the 70s, I do so with a certain amount of cynicism because I know that a lot of overdubbing right. went on later in studios. And it was only because I heard that Brazil bootleg that I suddenly realized, no, they played this. Yes.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, this is this is a live album that,
1: is, I know some people on live, online say, oh yeah, there's a lot of overdubs, but all the band has been very consistent in saying, there's... If, if there's any overdubs on this album, it's extremely minimal.
2: It's not Peter Gabriel level.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. This, yeah, which is basically, you know, let's keep the bass drum and then re-record everything yeah. else. This is, this is really live sounding. Yeah. Uh, yes, it sounds, and I think the remix from 2008-2009 time frame really opens it up a bit more. Uh, I really think this sounds fantastic. I, I can't gush about this album enough. And it was my first exposure, as I have probably mentioned before, to Supper's Ready in any way, shape, or form.
3: For me too. I, it, I love this live album. I'm going back to Simon's comment on the bootleg in Brazil. I think it's the very f- it was the very, the very first time that they came to, went to South America. They played only in Sao Paulo, maybe, in Brasilia. I don't know what's the story behind them going to South America only to Brazil. And then that was the only the one time. Right, <laughs> was, the one Unfortunately. Yes. But i um, probably will borrow the booklet from you because I want to um, it, to really, listen to really you good. probably a lot of energy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Happy birthday. There yeah. 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 Thank you.
4: Uh, yeah, it's 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 funny when I had this it was I was a cassette collector so this was a double cassette which oh, was just yeah. so cumbersome to yes. <laughs> yeah. to have yeah. even more so it seems than a double album like to have a double cassette you can't really put it in your pocket right. you can't carry it like a cool way <laughs> i just i just remember being in high school and being floored that one entire side of a cassette is as it was my first exposure to supper's ready as well and just one side of the cassette all said was supper's ready one song and i can pointing that to to friends going. Look, there's only one song on here. It supper's ready. Can you believe that? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> but it was just I and I remember specifically Christmas of '87. Just constantly having this in my Walkman, mm-hmm. yeah. and just as soon as one side was over, I'd flip it to the next. And just I just kind of got lost in this live album. And as I said, yeah, a lot of it for me was the first exposure to the Gabriel years.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: and just hearing, you know. I, I probably heard. Oh, I definitely heard Phil sing "Supper's Ready" before mm-hmm.
1: Peter sing it. But we'll get to that when we get to. And Supper's I, Ready. Right. I want to say I heard Phil sing "Musical Box" before I got "Nursery Crime." Great stuff. Me, me
3: too. I remember exactly when I went to when I got the two cassettes. Mm-hmm. Close to where I was living in Buenos Aires, I had enough money. It was the end of the end of the eighties, eighty, maybe eighty-seven. Uh, And I remember going to the record store Getting the two cassettes And again, playing them all over over and over again You never wanted to return it, right? (laughs) No at all No returning So,
1: very good Uh, So with that We will jump into Track one on side one For the LP Squonk
2: So right off the bat, you just know there's no costumes, (laughs) there's no face paint here. You know, this is straight rock. Um, You can immediately hear, this is a brand new band. um, And yeah, their live show is a little different than (laughs) it has been in the past. Um, This is just a killer opener. Um, It's a great track as it is, you know, from Trick of the Tail. But live, it's just... Totally on another level, particularly with, uh, I think, Mike's bass pedals. Yeah. Just like I can imagine being in the audience and feeling my heart in my throat <laughs> when they're playing this yeah. song.
0: It sounds huge yeah. listening to this. It sounds huge. Huge. <laughs> now, I'd like to just refer back to our Mike Keneally episode. This yes. was the tour that Mike actually saw them on, yes, was the it? Yes, the first time he saw Genesis. So, and, and that's where
1: he, he spoke about, you know, the entire show was mind-blowing. Seeing Supper's Ready was doubly mind-blowing but just he, he said this was a great experience for him you know to kind of see this as a live performance was this the gone.
0: first i was going to ask was this the first time that they they started that thing of always playing a track from the previous album to open the show was this actually the it proper probably opening was show?
1: yes it was
0: well technically they did that
4: on the song england tour Yeah, where they they opened with with, Watcher, Watcher, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: But then it it kind of stopped with The Lamb, obviously, and with Trick, where they opened with Dance on a Volcano, because I think they wanted to open with a fill track, which made sense. But then
4: with the Wind and weathering Tour going forward, I think even up to Kong Kong
1: stations, stations, they opened with uh, No Son of Mine? Uh, That or Land of Confusion. No, no, Land of Confusion was um, uh, We Can't Dance. Right. Yeah, I think it was probably No Son of Mine on on uh, Calling All oh, Stations. To him, I think in so. proper, this was the start of that,
0: yeah. Yeah. that tradition. Yeah. But really I, I really love the fact that all you do is you can hear the audience and yeah. then just the stick count off. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it nice. And, the ro- and kind of the, wow. People
2: yeah. start to recognize Yeah, them.
1: yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and just it's, like
2: that.
1: It's powerful. So yeah. It's funny, I think Phil's voice throughout this album is still a bit... Softer than he became in the '80s. Yes, yeah. he's not right. shouty Phil. Oh no, no. shouty no. Phil doesn't come but, for right. another That's couple years. And, you know, but it's softener. but he's really singing these songs, and it was before whether his voice changed when he was got to the late 20s, early 30s, or he he kind of figured out he could sing in a different way. This is this is less. There's certainly power behind his voice, but it's a different type of power than came later on.
3: I agree with, with with everybody. This is a great show opener, mm-hmm. along with "Dance and Dance on a Volcano," but that's another. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
5: part
1: of it. And I, I love in the end the, of this, where you can still you can hear kind of Phil Bangy's tambourine during a kind of jaunty ending of it. It gives it a very a very live feel to it. Some live albums can feel very sterile and very distant, but this, to me, feels very like you're in the hall with them. Yeah. Which is
4: great, and it's, it seems like the right place to do a live album because they already have one tour under their belt with Phil mm-hmm. as the lead singer, and that kind of like got their feet wet. Phil got comfortable, right, and now by this time when they come out and start touring, like Phil's got it down, right. Like, he, and the smiling. first show of this tour was it was January first of seventy yeah, seven, right? Exactly. And uh, yeah, so it's all seventy seven that spring. Mm-hmm. They just toured, and he came out and he con- he controlled the audience. He controlled yeah. the whole said. Mhm. And it shows that how confident they are by this time.
1: Yeah. And Chester Thompson was yeah. it was the his first tour with the band. Mm-hmm. Uh and Bruford was fine obviously on uh the trick to the Tail tour, but had a very different feel from Phil and from Chester. And so I think that he was a good drummer for that tour. And I think Phil probably would have been happy to use him in the future from what I've read in in interviews, but uh bill was going off to do his own career rightfully so and so you know you can't just wait around for
0: genesis each time it's a really punchy number Mm -hmm. uh both i mean i i i can't differentiate and i know that we said that we wouldn't talk about the studio version but there's probably going to be some comparison between whether or not you prefer it to the the studio version i like them both equally yeah
3: Sorry, no, mm-hmm. I just was just wanted to say that I wrote, like, similar to studio version. <laughs> Quite similar, let's say.
1: And it shows also how close um, Hackett and Banks' sounds were to each other, you know. Sometimes you do listen and you're like, is that a guitar? Is that a keyboard there? And, you know, whether... I think at that point, you know, their tones were very similar. And they complemented each other very well in that soundscape. And... The guitar sounds more like a guitar at times when it, when there's some solos happening, but there's definitely this process sound that Steve really liked at the time that was very keyboardish in a lot of ways. So I, I and you, you get that on the soul, throughout the song, in kind of the rhythm playing he's doing, the little kind of lead lines that pop up here and there, uh, and then the end solo. Could be a strange keyboard being played at that point, and but it's a guitar, but it's very cool. I I think this is overall a great opening track
0: and unique for the fact that they had to make an arrangement for the ending, which was a fade out on the album, right? So, I think that and
1: and I think that Genesis was always very good at coming up with endings when they needed to, whether it was an ending for the album or then for these live arrangements. Well, we will wrap up now and go into, as it says on the album cover, the carpet crawl.
4: me uh, I think the the reason that the title is different from what I've heard that this is called the carpet crawl is because it doesn't include the intro that the carpet that carpet crawlers had on the lamb okay there was lamb's wool under my naked feet like that is not included in this right. version so they kind of changed the title a little bit to reflect the fact that it wasn't oh. exactly the same. That's it's what I heard. Somebody told me it's, <laughs> it's just the, the word on the
2: street. Just that short crawl. Yes. <laughs>
0: and I think this is the also the very first time that we we hear. I don't think it happens on uh, on Genesis Live, where the band start to uh, modify the arrangements. Yeah.
3: yeah, the arrangements. I mean, I love this version. I mean, I love the song. That it's, this is one of my favorite the tracks in the Genesis catalog and the 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 ending of the, the song how they faded out instead of mm. it's it's not the same as the studio version obviously but i really like the arrangement they made for the for this live sure. uh, version I
1: love
3: it,
1: it. it's so funny that this song has become such an emotional part of the genesis set because again it's one of these tracks that what exactly is the, we know where where it is in the lamb story but what is it about
2: Nobody will ever know. But here's here's my yeah. But here's my theory. Like Phil just sings this so well, and you know, and I, I'm glad they included this on the album because if if nothing else, it shows that Phil can sing the Gabriel stuff. So we started with Squonk. That was a song that he was recorded. You know, he did on the album. And now we're like, okay, like if you've never heard this before, like let's see how Phil does with this Peter Gabriel song yeah. and he just knocks it out of the park. And I don't know if it's Phil's background in acting um, or what, but he can just, he can make you, probably make you weep if he was singing about a toaster oven. <laughs> because he he can, he you know, he knows how to emote in his singing. And he does this in this song, I think. Very, you know, that's one of the things that hits me. Like I'm not... When I get emotional hearing the song, yes, the music's beautiful, but it's not like I'm listening to the words and the, and the meaning of the words mm-hmm. is really, like, you know, hitting me. It's the way he's singing yes, and, right, and the, the feeling he's putting he behind it. it. Yes. He believes it. And yes. I know he's, I've heard in interviews, he's a fan of this song. Yes. And I, you know, I can imagine him personally loving the song is just going to make it that much more stronger of a mm-hmm. performance from him. So... Yeah.
0: I suppose it's no coincidence it was the last song they chose to perform, ever. And I've
2: heard, like, Banks and Rutherford, you know, on future tours, they're like, we don't want to do Carpet Crawl or Carpet Crawlers again. And Phil's like, no, we don't want to do it. And he tried to get it on, I think, the Mama Tour. We Can't Dance. And We Can't Dance. No, they did it on the Mama Tour. They did it on the Mama Tour? Yep. It was We Can't Dance then. Yeah, it was We Can't Dance. And they were like, oh, I'm so sick of it. But he loves it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think he... That's why he yeah. was the reason it came back on the 2007 tour, too. I mean, he's, you can
4: hear his enthusiasm because he's he's when you're putting emotion towards like stickleback, yeah, and like you're stickleback, back, back, back. back mm-hmm. It's it's him just giving it 110%. Yeah. And it, yeah, Phil uh, Peter might have been the original owner of this song, but mm. Phil definitely gave it a life of its own and continue, continued it as he was the lead singer. Up am to the point where, yeah, as the last song on the 2007 tour, it was it was kind of emotional. because, yeah, Especially yeah. Yeah. having been at the last show in Hollywood. Oh, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Phil said, Tom, can you come to this last <laughs> show? Like, All right. I, I need um, some backing vocals. I need some yeah. backing vocals. <laughs> but just to see, like, they ended on that. And you knew that maybe
0: a third of the people had no clue what the song hmm. was, but for those who knew it, it was a special yeah. moment. Yeah, I wonder if he'd already connected in that way, at, at this early stage, or whether or not that was just a a part of the set at that moment.
1: Well, they did it. They did it on the Trick of the Tail tour, also. So I think it was a song that they chose early on to to represent. Genesis too. Because, I think
2: yeah, I think yeah. it's in his vocal range. Yeah. I think he was comfortable singing it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that was the, the one Gabriel song, he didn't feel weird. Singing. Right. So it's the
0: national anthem of Genesis, I think is yeah, the... exactly.
1: Well it's it's interesting too because it's very much a vocal and guitar song because yeah. there's there's Phil's, in this case, Phil's vocal, there's Steve playing his guitar, which I think he said at, at Nearfest when we saw him perform there. He said, this is the quietest guitar solo you will hear, Uh, because it is. It's almost like he's soloing throughout the entire track, and Mike and Tony are keeping this very kind of basic rhythm throughout the entire piece that doesn't do a huge amount, but provides the bed for the rest of the track. And it really is something that, you know, we'll talk about this with The Lamb, but when they wrote it, it really came out of nowhere, because they, they had some lyrics that they needed a song for. And they all say this was a very late addition to the, to the album because they needed something. And it ended up being a stage favorite for, for years.
2: I, you know, yeah. I, and to go back to what you are saying about Hackett, I mean, you know, it's already a great song because mm. of the vocal performance. Mm. But Hackett's guitar yes. just is unbelievable. To me, that's the highlight of his playing on this album yes. is, is, is this song. Um,
4: it's just a shame he was mixed out after. yeah. He
2: said that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to give a big shout out to the backing vocals on this yeah. uh, track, too. Like, first of all, you can hear them, right. um, which is rare. Right. Um, and two, yeah, it it, it just works. Yeah. And I was
1: thinking, why don't, why
2: don't what happens? Like, I feel like this is the only track on the album I can hear, like
1: maybe they just didn't sing, but did, I don't know what I like has some backing yeah, vocals yeah, that's to it true, a little but bit, but and... at this stage, too, there wasn't a lot that, that they did that had backing vocals to it when you really yeah. think about it. And Phil was the big backing vocal person yeah. in the past. Right. But yeah, um, so,
2: so that worked. I think yeah. having.
1: Um, like I think well, for the Landlines Down on right. Broadway
0: line, there's the backing there.
1: Yeah. So. And again,
0: but, I was going to yeah. ask is this fairly faithful to set order or is this a, a cherry picked kind of. Um, no, sequence? it's not. It's cherry picked for this. So it's, I think originally when
4: I had it, I assumed that they recorded it start to finish
0: as we all yeah. did yeah. We oh, young yeah.
4: And naive and, <laughs> yeah i mean this it, was yesterday <laughs> so.
1: the the actual set list the encore was the lamb and the musical box the the full set ends with dance of Vol- volcano los Endos, and it did start with squonk but then it kind of went all over the place because they played one for the vine on this tour 11th Earl of mar um Some things that just never ended up on the live album. The in that Quiet Earth section that goes into Afterglow.
5: Um,
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I just find it amazing. I mean, a little sidebar here that this is a essentially a Wind and Wuthering tour album, and there's one track (laughs) of Wind and Wuthering on it. For so long, I thought this was Trick of the Tail tour all the way because of the lack of Wind and Wuthering on (laughs) there.
1: Moving on to robbery, assault, and battery.
6: That the beasts were alerted, they considered the phone call a hoax. Furtively glancing, then jauntily prancing, the youth caught the guards out the way. Slipping between, men, he ought to have seen the eyes of their own are so near. With talk shining bright, he spun on in the night he came to the room with the same.
1: was always my confusion when i first got this album that it says robbery assault and battery phil keyboard solo and i'm like phil's playing that keyboard solo he's pretty good
4: we started to and it said tony smacks him (laughs) this is my keyboard
1: it it wasn't until many years later that i realized oh he's playing drums during the keyboard solo i get it which i still think is funny that they specifically say in the album credits Oh, Phil's doing the drums it for that. It was the
4: 70s. Yeah, he wanted your credits. so. Uh, I'll say one thing. You I know, love love the album packaging, but they haven't always been 100% correct in their liner notes. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, that could have been explained a little bit better. Yeah. But a fine track. I would yes, enjoy this one. Uh, it's, I can see... They, oh, this was on the Wind & Wuthering tour, so they did hold yes. it over two tours, yeah, which was did kind of surprising. I, I, I think it was a great enough track to be held over two tours. has your favorite line in it. Yeah. Well we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> That's a teaser, so tune into our trick of the tail episode. Yeah. But uh it does have that great instrumental part in the yeah. in the middle, which live was awesome because oh, yeah. uh, Phil did
1: go back behind the drums. Yes to uh Was
0: it another one of those Phil Mike and Tony moments or was it
1: I think Steve have... is on there a bit, but probably not heavy. I've never seen video of the live version of this. There's the actual video for this song that does have... show them playing, but it's it's very much in the distance. This this is not a Hackett-heavy song in any way, shape, or form. No,
3: Tony-heavy no. Yes,
1: it's very Tony-ish, so...
4: And this was it's... Phil breaking out live, and he probably did it on this tour, where he would don some kind of... Yeah, kind of like right, the, the The burglary the act, cap, burglary cap yeah. yeah.
1: Much like I think he did later on for... Um, say it's all right Joe on the next tour where he'd do a character. And I think that kind of took over a character moment in the show, which was kind of Phil's one kind of concession maybe to doing kind of a costume like Gabriel did, but never as he never did anything nearly as ornate as Gabriel did. So, which is fine because this is more Phil inhabiting a character than just a costume.
3: I agree with Tom in that I don't think this is one of my favorite tracks <laughs> at all. In fact, I would prefer it to be instrumental. Like, the, I found Phil singing kind of annoying. I love Phil singing. Please, he can sing anything yeah. and I would love it. But and I will it. love it. But, but not, not this. So. I don't know why. So, but we'll Street's talk to that when we do a you yeah. yeah,
2: I agree with, I agree with you, Ellie. Like, the instrumental just kicks you in the nuts. It's, like, so, like, powerful and it just... It, you know, it takes the, the studio version and just shakes it up. Um, yeah, I could do without the, the singing bit in the beginning. Um, but uh, well, a note about that it's like, I remember I was listening to this um, to a couple nights ago to prep for the show. And I had the headphones on. It was the first time I could hear, like, or maybe I was paying, first time I paid attention. There's people clapping to this song. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. would you ever see anybody clapping to a Genesis song pre-77 or yeah. 76? Probably not. So that was like, they're, fu- like I said, now they're a rock band.
1: I bet this was a fun live show Exactly. song at the show. Yeah, if you were
2: there at the show, you probably, this would be, I think this would be great. Because Phil, <laughs> like, dressing up and running yeah. around and all. All his voices and carrying around. Huge bu- after
1: that keyboard solo. It's just arf. it's it's massive.
0: Arf. Exactly. Arf. That's massive, isn't yeah, it? That's the sound yeah. that's the sound of massive. Yeah.
2: He's running around with bundles of fibers. It's right. exciting.
1: There's a there's a David Bowie uh, documentary out there where they interview Robert Fripp and he's yeah. talking about uh, I think this is one of the songs like uh Boys Keep Swinging or one of these very out-there Bowie songs. And Fripp's observation is that all the musicians on the stage performing the song had to have had erections. <laughs> and I think sometimes there are moments during Genesis songs where it's like, this is just so good. They've got to be like, ah, I'm ready for this. Thanks for that Woo. mental image. There you go.
5: Hey,
2: I'm just saying, I was at a... King Crimson show once, or Stickman, or what was it? <laughs> one of those, like a King Crimson reincarnation. Oh, I think it was the Crimson Project. The I know Crimson Project. Yeah, yeah. And I swear, there was one point in a song where I felt like I needed to wear a raincoat because of all the guys around me.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying oh, I, it was. I know. I remember you talking remember about this. That it was. Show. It was Stickman playing uh, Breathless. Yes. The, rip, the from Exposure. I. Where I think you said the guy next to you was going to explode.
2: Yeah. I think my words were ejaculate his spine. Yes,
1: exactly. So maybe people did that during robbery, assault, and battery, you know, because there are some moments in that solo that I think were probably pretty too tumescent. And if you so. didn't, you're not trying hard enough. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but this is a cool little song. So we're going to go into Afterglow. Afterglow, I am in you. I am
5: so soft. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
6: The dust it circles all around me. I must find a new home. The ways and hopes that used to give me shelter, they're all one to me now. But I, I would search everywhere
0: Took- oh, yeah. Good for you,
4: Mike. hey Hey-o.
1: Hey-o. I, When I first heard this, I think it must have been before I heard Wind and Wuthering, but I might have had Three Sides Live. And so I didn't know that there was anything before this. I had known that it was part of a medley later on. And so I was like, oh, they played it on its own on this tour. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they did do In That Quiet Earth into this track. Uh, which is kind of curious that they didn't include in that Quiet Earth. It's kind of a cool instrumental, but I guess we're talking
0: the the limitations of the sides right. of vinyl. Yeah, maybe um, they probably could have done, but that would have maybe decreased the quality of the sound quality yeah. of the vinyl. it's one of those where I
4: love listening to the end, especially the double drum um, fill yeah. that they had taken from uh, Frank Zappa's live album. Yeah. When yeah. trouble it, every w- day, isn't it? Yeah, when they brought Chester on board, but then after realizing that they just cut the opening and they yes. produced everything from before the beginning of afterglow look at in the quiet earth it kind of loses something for me so as a as a track on seconds out it it doesn't do as much for me as the studio version does because i think you need that whole big build up mm-hmm. into the ah now we're into afterglow whereas when you just start with afterglow and even knowing that they did they didn't just start with it on this tour but that it was cut for the album it, it it's kind of like the 98 redo of Lamb Lies Live when you realized that Peter redid most of his oh, vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't listen to that live album anymore because of that. And so it's like kind of this reason where I, like I do I'm not really a fan of Seconds Out on this album.
1: Hmm. I really like I I am actually okay with the Peter re-record, but um I it, I do miss the lead up to Afterglow. Afterglow to me does feel best as a conclusion to something, not necessarily a standalone song.
2: Yeah, I bet this was impressive to see live. Yeah. And impressive to see all the potheads around you (laughs) going out of their minds when this came on. Because I can imagine, like, the light show that probably went along with this. Because I know in future tours, because we've had DVDs and, like, we've seen how they really, like, blow this out um, on stage with the lights and the Mm -hmm. smoke and everything. So... Um, I bet, yeah, it's one of the like like robbery, assault, and battery. If you were there, this was probably like a yeah. big, strong it's moment a big, of the set. Epic moment. Yeah. Especially,
1: yeah, the big sounds of the end.
2: Yeah. That's and great. then this is because I think, you know, I know you're you saying you're skipping it, but this was really like the beginning of how they used Afterglow. Yeah. Until, you know, 2007.
3: I love this version, and I think maybe after Afterglow could be a better show, um, closer. That's what I was looking for. But I love this version, I think I really like it. And I love the, the song, this track played live, rather than the... I like the studio version too, of course, but it's a great song to be played to play live.
0: If I'm being really honest with you, the better version is on Three Sides Live, in my yes. opinion. Oh, I agree. Just for the sheer bombast of it. Again, it's one of those tracks which a little bit like we were talking in the when we were discussing uh cinema show afterglow is that for me personally is a a track that if it wasn't in a genesis set i'd miss it it snuck up on me that i I suddenly realized that i really really like this song
1: And it was its first tour outing because it was for this album. And this is so the
0: only track that's actually from yeah. Wind and Wuthering. So maybe that's part of the reason why they included it. Yeah. For the reason that it, otherwise there would be no Wind and Wuthering right. tracks on but it. The other Wind and Wuthering tracks were longer than this. Both
1: yeah. One for the Vine, Eleventh Earl of Mar. Um,
2: How did none of them make it to this?
1: I think Space more than anything else. you yeah, know. When, but... Think about what, what would you have cut to include either one of those? Robbery, Salt, and Battery.
2: Robbery, Salt, and Battery. And who was
1: really at the helm of mixing this album? <laughs> but if Tony was, yeah. <laughs> then... One for the Vine would have made Yeah, yeah. One for the Vine, yeah. because that's that. I,
2: I would have cut Robbery, Salt, and Battery in Firth of Fifth. Yeah,
1: And also, it could be just maybe they weren't thrilled with the other versions
0: of the tracks that were recorded They're, in Paris. Yeah, you because know, it could have yeah. been like conceivably a technical issue yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: something with that. But you never know, so... But yeah so afterglow concludes side one we flip the album over and we go into the first of the big kind of block of all original gabriel songs of firth of fifth the pause is
6: clear
4: This track is kind of interesting when, because it doesn't begin with Tony's keyboard solo, which I figure had to have been a decision from Tony himself. Like, I don't oh, think sure. anyone would have said, oh, we're cutting your keyboard solo. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? He's and like, lived, no, and lived another day. <laughs> 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 the first person to tell him that is now buried. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have to say, it does work without the keyboard solo because one, as much as I love hearing the keyboard solo, like what in the in the selling England tour, uh, you get that melody several times throughout yes. the middle part. So not hearing it, and it just comes in with a punch with Bam, Peter singing, "Boom, the path is yep. clear," and that really gives a great start to the song.
3: Indeed, and I think even if he did his uh, his intro on the piano, people would be like, "Okay, come on, hurry up because <laughs> I want to hear the you know the big you know punch and you know, right. first chords of the full band."
4: Maybe mm-hmm. the the opening keyboard solo worked a little better in the smaller theaters. They were playing yeah. five years or three years earlier, four, right. four years earlier. But then now, when you're playing with the huge jumbo yeah, lights and everything, arenas, it works a little bit better when
1: you're when you just go right into the song proper. And he didn't have a real piano with him at that point. You couldn't really emulate that sound, so it would have felt. You know, you, and he's doing, he's getting his piano jonesing out when he plays Lamb Lies Down later on, which, again, is a much different sound than what's on the, the album. It's not a piano sound. So, yeah, I, I like this. I think the arrangement of this, you know, we in our Selling England episode, if you've listened to that, we talk about the flute solo of Gabriel now being taken over by, you know, both both Banks and Hackett playing in unison. Which is a really nice arrangement, but it is obviously accommodating not having a floatist around anymore. You I someone like floating above the stage? Yeah. So. <laughs> a floating flautist. So. Yeah, floating flautist. Exactly. And I'm glad
3: <laughs> Phil didn't even attempt to say, yeah. oh, no, I learned to play the flute. No, <laughs> you don't yeah.
1: have to do that. I think that at that point, too, the keyboard sounds have gotten good enough or interesting enough to kind of take over that role. Uh, and especially in this case, it's a melody that Tony wrote anyway, so it Probably wasn't difficult for him to play along with it.
2: This is the low point of the the album for me, okay? Because I think they were they're trying to apply that bombastic live we're in a bigger venue now mm-hmm. approach to the song, and it to me it doesn't work. Okay, um, it just I, the sound it, the sound of it just I prefer the studio. Okay, so if I want to hear Firth or fifth, I go to Selling and buy the Pound. Yeah, it just it just doesn't click. I, I feel like it, it's a it's a cover of the of Firth or Fifth, if that makes sense.
4: Like you can do you can recreate the studio version of Firth or Fifth anytime and they, they did that mostly on the selling England tour, but here it just felt a lot looser with Phil on drums and just when it gets to the high point of Steve's guitar solo and Phil's drumming, like they just Cola, so yeah, great! Yeah, the
2: instrumental your, part. You feel Phil's drumming good.
4: just like a maniac at this point, mm-hmm. along with Steve's guitar playing, and it just, it, it's the, the instrumental part of Firth or Fifth is probably one of the high points of this album, of this oh, live album. Right. For me. I
1: wrote down that it was a brilliant arrangement during the Hackett solo, and hey. I thought that it was it really, for again, you know, for for a track that you know, I I enjoy, but I don't think Firth the Fifth is fantastic. I but I thought that the arrangement and the, and the bombast of this really worked well in that instrumental section. And Stacey's just shaking her head. I know
2: I do. The, the instrumental section section is, is great. And Hackett solo is always
1: phenomenal. I've never liked that. They kind of did the instrumental bit as a standalone piece. I always liked, at least on the mama tour, you get sometimes the final verse also, mm-hmm. This is one of those traps where I kind of think, like, if you're going to do the middle part, do the entire thing. Because it's not that much longer to do the first two verses. But, you know, what am I doing? You, know. you get what you get, sir. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's, uh, you, if wishes were
0: horses, then... Beggars you know, would ride. Yeah, oh, there you go. That was, I didn't know the second half of that <laughs> saying, so that's helpful. Well, there's only one other thing I wanted to make mention, and it's mm-hmm. a slightly nerdy drum thing, all right. which is this is the moment on this tour which sees the arrival of the iconic Collins drum kit. Oh, okay. the, the drum kit that we all know, basically. Okay. And it, it was a gradual evolution uh, on the previous two tours, mm-hmm. which it sort of started to take shape on the uh, Land Lies Down tour. Okay. And he was using roto toms at the time and then he went to that bank of drums that we all now see that cascade from from his right our left across and so as a result one of the things which i i really like about this track in particular is the interaction between the two sets of drums and it's for me it's the most three sides (laughs) live-ish moment on the album and you can really hear when phil sits down at the
1: drums yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, yes, it's it's mm-hmm. obvious. Sometimes he does a fill to kind of See? almost announce that okay, I'm getting yeah. into the rhythm now, and you know whether Ch- whether he and Chester play along with each other or Chester stops and then rejoins, it's it's mm-hmm. always that double drum madness is always a lot of fun.
0: And also, it needs to be said that he is in the midst of I think it was the second Brand X album at this point. he yeah. He was. Shit hot, <laughs> yes. yeah. um, As a drummer, I mean, there, you know, at this point in time, there were very few drummers on the planet that yeah. could even approach the level of facility mm-hmm. that that he had, yeah. and that interaction that he had with Chester. Yeah. There are those moments when it's the four
1: of the instrum- instrumentalists playing, where I think like this could still be the band that Gabriel was a part of. You know he's just off stage during this part, and I think like, oh yeah, this is, this is as if his departure never happened, uh, and you get those little moments of, oh yeah, this is this is the band who played this music, playing this music again. Yeah, I'd never really thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. there are those moments that are really yeah, nice. Yeah, because there's no Darrell, right? Yeah, it's right. it's it's the four of them. So yeah, so it's very cool. We'll move on now to I know what I like. This is the epic version of this song which again think about how much this has grown since the original both album and live versions from back in 1973 this is now genesis was never known for jamming on stuff but this is a very arranged jam which i think is great
3: what I wrote is Phil was happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it, this is a very playful, yeah. informal version. Yeah. Um, but as to Mike's point, yeah. very well controlled.
0: Right. <laughs> I wonder if it's because of the arrival of Chester, who seemed to be a, a much steadier hand on the rhythmic tiller.
1: He'd be a groove. Yeah. You know, he had a good groove on this track. And if you listen to the early bootlegs from the January 1st date or whatever, there was not much jamming going on. There might have been the stagnation riff in there, but this is one of those things that I bet grew both in live performance and in soundcheck. Where they said, oh, we can throw this bit in here, we can throw that bit in here. A little bit of Dancing with the Moonlit Night, a little bit of Blood on the Rooftops, and, you know, there's...
4: A little bit of Visions of Angels is in there.
1: Which I still have not really... F- focused in on myself. It's you have to show me exactly where it is. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. It's, it's,
4: it's a very brief, maybe like yeah. five seconds at the right. most. But it's there, so it's there. yeah,
1: it's cool. So, I love it. I think the,
0: the actual live version is really cool sounding. For, for, for a song which really is, is, is incredibly one-paced, yeah. it has an awful lot of dynamic to it. Mm-hmm.
2: And this
4: per- is... Yeah, perhaps... The reason is because they were kind of tired of its one paceness so yeah. like it gave them we can do whatever we want now yeah like we have the freedom to go out and Phil's doing his little tambourine dance and which took the longest time I just thought he was standing there tapping it <laughs> and then when I finally saw a video of it I'm like oh do you know
0: I was exactly the same even though they have uh, almost like a stop frame motion a yeah. uh, set of camera things on the inserts of yeah. the sleeves of the album I just thought that, which is various shots of him holding the tambourine. Right, you don't think of them as
1: like a flipbook, like oh. oh, we can watch him play this.
2: And this was the, I think this was the first track, um, first song where Phil's directly talking to the audience and engaging with the audience. Oh, sure. Um, and it, you know, kind of sets the precedent of him, you know, having little conversations or mm-hmm. more direct engagement or skits. Um, with the audience, which, again, is something I don't know if Gabriel ever did. Mm. Um, so he just really, I think uh, if you were there in the audience, this would be like a
1: high point. This would be yeah. a fun part of the show. And he does love Paris in the springtime. So that's Who exactly. wouldn't? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I, I I love this from start to finish. I love the little bass part. Dun, 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 dun. Like that's almost like. Before they really even start playing the song, it's like, oh, we're just getting warmed up. And the drums start in, and the blah, kind of the drone
0: starts. You really beginning. are Mr. Special Effects, man. It you? is <laughs> today. It's
1: like I I, I want to do you know be part of the police academy movies. <laughs> you are the Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow. Winslow, that's it. So I couldn't remember that name, but I was like, oh. <laughs> but it was
4: the whole thing with Chester and the groove. Like yeah. this is the groovy track on the album. Yeah, this is the one might. that makes me want to shake my moneymaker all the time.
2: Join us from Genesis Dance
4: Party.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tonight at seven. It will happen yeah. tonight until <laughs> And you can hear some backing vocals with the I Know What I Like sections and yeah, it's Are you gonna hand
0: great. it to the French? They really joined in. They did. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that.
3: We all love I Know What I Like. Love. Excellent.
1: <laughs> so we'll we'll tackle the next two tracks as a unit, the Lamb Lies Down and the Musical Box, as it was the encore of the of the show.
6: You stand there
1: I think that this is a great encore i actually thought that this might have been an encore for the 2007 tour something up versus a little bit of a more quiet song like uh, carpet crawlers but i they were grandparents by that time i know <laughs> but i i just think that this was a a great kind of combination of two tracks that i wouldn't have thought about putting together the way they put it together but it, it works it works really well
0: it uh, certainly has tremendous yes. visceral power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and also, it's another one of those moments where when you put a song in front of people, mm-hmm. the band itself kind of learns what is iconic about their music because mm-hmm. they have their own opinions about yeah. the songs. But it's like any band when they go out and they play a song and they get a reaction.
5: Yeah.
0: Oh, wow, you know, and it's you can hear the reaction when those, just those very first... Twinkly bits of piano from the start of The Lamb and the roar that comes up from the crowd as they recognize it. I mean, okay, admittedly, we all know when you go into a studio, as I said, I'm a very, very cynical man when it comes to 70s live (laughs) albums, but the bottom line here is is that it sounds great. Yeah, it works, so
1: it makes it sound live in that respect. And and on this track, it shows
4: Phil really handling the tough, loud, aggressive. Gabriel tunes because it hadn't attempted In the Cage yet. This was before they got yeah. to that live. So this was his one Lamb era track for him to show that he can take over the reins from Gabriel. And yeah. he, he definitely handled it here. And this, I, I I did hear this song before I heard the studio version. Sure. And so going back to Gabriel's it was a little kind of okay, this is a little yeah. bit different. It was a, a little
1: stiff. Whereas Phil is just like taking command mm-hmm. of the stadium. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's sped up a little bit. It right. has a yeah. drive behind it. They it's are up,
2: sprinting yeah.
1: through it. Yeah, right? I was like, what
2: oh, what's going on there? Yeah. And well,
1: Union guys had to close the stadium. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, we're, double it's time.
2: They going not have a curfew. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they're sprinting through it, but they're playing together so well. Yeah. Like, I yeah, feel like perfect. this is where, like, the performance is really shining through on this. Like, the just, you could tell these guys have been playing together for a long time. Yeah. And they they just have this intuition about, you know, their live performance. It's it's fantastic. You, Tom, I love Phil's vocal performance of Mm -hmm. this. He brings them to life in many ways. I always thought, like, Gabriel, when he sings, he kind of has, like, a sardonic, ironic, you know, wry smile (laughs) or smirk when he sings, like, a dry sense of humor, where Phil's just straightforward grinning at you. And to me, this is, like, an example of that. You know, Phil's just, like... All right, this is a weird song, but I'm gonna sing it and be like really, you know, yeah. enthusiastic about it. Cause it. I want the audience to be enthusiastic about it. And um, yeah, it's great. And I, the transition into the musical yeah. box is.
1: It's this quiet bit that all of a sudden goes into this, you know, oh, we're going to the musical box. And it's the time for Phil to show his power again with, right. that, with that vocal. And to end in that very, you know, big Hackett solo. And yeah. again, it, it sounds big and huge. Yeah. And it's a great end to a show. Right. Like, I think I, if anybody left these concerts in 1977 going, eh,
5: yeah. That right. wasn't any good. Yeah. Then,
1: then they should just give up on being a Genesis fan at that point because this these or a shows music fan. a music fan yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it, because it just felt so right, right listening to this.
2: And for all I say, like you know, Phil gives you know give you know whether you think you he improves them or is doesn't do as well, um, he does give it a, another. He makes it his own, yeah. and it's a totally different song. However, I was thinking about this, you know, I was listening to, to the vocal performance of the end of the musical mm-hmm. box, and I was thinking, I can't picture him singing the entire song. No. Like, that to me is just, only Gabriel could yeah. ever sing that. But so, he
3: owns it. He makes it his. I mean, it's, yeah, he's yeah. Yeah. making an effort. He, he's, he's perfect. He's Collins okay. has
0: never sung the the opening half, though, no, has he? Yeah, he I think. just, you know, I... There's some I, backing. Yeah.
2: I think the universe
1: You're would close in on again. itself or something. Yeah. I just can't picture it. <laughs> yeah. I actually think he could have, but it was that was a, an entire song that was so tied in with Gabriel. Too. Yeah,
2: it's it's of its time. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I mean it's so I think tied into like it. the Henry story. Yeah. It you know, wasn't really
4: Phil's thing. Was, yeah. Whereas yeah. him he even physically just he looked like animal from the Muppets. <laughs> and he's, his hair,
1: everything, the drumming, everything. He was, this was his animal yeah. Muppet tour yeah. right here. Yeah. I do have the video that I think is from Dallas or something like that, that yeah. was professionally shot of this. And one of the, it's not the entire show, but they have the lamb and the musical box part of it. And it's just great watching kind of Phil stalking around the stage, singing this, singing this stuff. Uh, and then, Keep being very gentle and, as, and this was the tour too that you know as soon as his vocal bits are done he runs back to that drum kit yeah. because it's he's like boy. i gotta do yes. it's like i get to sing and i get to drum the real
0: cool parts here yeah. so <laughs> can i ask a quick question about where in the tour the paris states were towards the end it was june and they had been touring since january so they kind of knew the songs by then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so kinda I think knew the
1: yeah, kind of. <laughs> it was it was close enough at that point because they had done. They started out January, February in England and Europe, then came over to the U.S. like March, April, and then did this European tour June, July, I think it was. Where in was the day. Brazilian date? I think in July or something like that. Okay, it so that was the the right end. near yeah. the end, basically. Right. Yeah. So if anything, they were even
0: more played in at that point. Right. So. I think it comes down to the fact that this is one hell of an end to yeah. uh, to the first side. Yeah. It's um, I didn't actually know that those were the last two tracks yeah. um, uh, that they played actually on that show. Yeah, so, I mean when when those keyboards come in after he sings Knock Now,"
4: boom! It yeah. it really takes you to a different level, and that's one of my favorite versions, even more than uh genesis live Mm -hmm. or the studio version Mm -hmm. like they i can imagine being there live and and even having seen him them do this in the we can't dance tour it that doesn't compare i think to how it sounds on this on this album
1: yeah i think the keyboard sound was better on this i i love the we can't dance version of it just because i did see that live And was just like oh, (laughs) so it was just like ejaculated your spine. Oh Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was that dude for that one. But but it was fantastic because when they were doing the lamb as part of that medley, I was like, I wonder if they'll go into musical box after this, and they did, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Get your umbrellas. That's right. So, pardon me. Well, let's. I'll, go, I'll get the tissues. Yes. Yeah. As, as we're talking about ejaculating we're for like yes. a Gallagher
4: show uh, <laughs> or
1: right. a Guar show, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we're moving into ejaculating spines, we'll now move into. <laughs>
6: such a love.
1: we this before, but I think for many of us, maybe all of us, this was our first exposure to Supper's Ready as a... Tri- okay, Stacey is shaking her head. No. A,
2: uh, <laughs> Foxtrot was my first okay. introduction to Supper's Ready.
0: Simon was... Absolutely, this was my first introduction to Supper's Ready. Ellie?
2: It's funny because I
3: can't remember.
0: Oh. Uh, well, then that counts as this in my poll. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe,
1: oh, sounds, yeah. maybe this. Uh, Second South was my first version, I would say. Yes, okay.
3: <laughs>
4: and Tom, I think you... Definitely this, because I think I recall in our Foxtrot podcast, yeah. I told the story of how the Foxtrot studio album was the last ever Genesis album for, for me to buy. Yes. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, this was
1: definitely my first exposure yeah. to Supper's Ready. So, yeah, so I think that... All of us except for Stacy, this was our first exposure, and maybe Ellie. Um, but I, I, still think this is the definitive version of this track.
0: Fini. <laughs> I agree. I, I,
2: you know, I think I, I think on the previous podcast, I, or well, the previous version of this podcast, yeah. I said that this was the definitive version. But you know, I since that time, I've kind of changed. I've changed my mind. I think they're both very strong. And like I said, this version of Genesis made it completely their own um, and gave it a new life. I love this version and I love the studio version. Mm -hmm. It's it's apples and oranges almost in in many ways. And I I think I'm comfortable saying that for a lot of their tracks. And I think that's why their live albums are so revered. And they're such, you know, they're. They're up there, and in, 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 when you're look, you know, you're considering their entire catalog as much as a studio album, because they do, really, it's it's a different song.
0: Thing that I've noticed is that people do tend to be, if you're a Genesis fan, you're gonna have an opinion about this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it very interesting that we went to see Steve Hackett, mm-hmm. and it's very apparent from the way that Steve Hackett, lead singer NAD Sylvan does it, that they do the. Gabriel version mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Oh, sorry that was just that's my virginity mm. <laughs> um uh, and it got really, twenty more minutes. Exactly, <laughs> it really does divide a lot of fans. Yeah. I've noticed this online. That sort of like people will say, "No, it's absolutely the uh, the foxtrot version," or mm-hmm. "No, it's absolutely." And that's fine. Yeah. I can only say what I think.
2: Oh, of
1: course,
0: you know
2: that only validates my argument.
1: Uh, <laughs> for me, this this live version makes me just appreciate the arrangement of this song so much more. How there are a lot of kind of little bits of melody and and parts of this song that kind of come back at different times throughout the track. And I just hearing it and hearing it with the keyboard versus the flute, how it was done at the past, it's it's just a great kind of listen to this. And I and when we were listening to this last night when Ellie and I were and we got to the Apocalypse in Nine Eight part, I really kind of remembered referencing Mike Keneally again, what he said about kind of seeing this having never heard Supper's Ready before, and just this kind of like ocean of music that's the Apocalypse of 9-8 part of just feeling it like you're on a sinking ship or a ship at sea, and I was like, yeah, I was like listening to it with those ears, and trying to imagine like, this is the first time I'm hearing this, how do you even figure out what's happening and it really put me back in that sta- stage again of kind of listening to it fresh, which was nice. Now, Tom, you also put for the survey of this on our website, you asked people to chime in on this question of Gabriel versus, not Gabriel versus Collins, but just which version they prefer.
4: Yeah, I, I didn't do Gabriel versus Collins. I, I mostly did Collins versus Gabriel.
1: <laughs>
4: uh, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, yeah, we did get some comments uh I I put forth the question, which version do you prefer? The Seconds Out version or Mm -hmm. the Foxtrot studio version? And uh, from David Finn, thank you for writing, he said, Gabriel singing Supper's Ready on Foxtrot is superior version in my humble opinion. Pekka Aronin said the Seconds Out version of Supper's Ready is played better, but for me the magic is in the Foxtrot version.
5: Okay.
4: Which I could see, I I was going to say that for the power, I would go with Seconds Out, but for the magic in the mystery the ineffable yeah. magic I right things. I and i think did. for the, yeah. for me the this apocalypse 98 section is just unbeatable on the seconds out version
5: yeah.
4: and but i think i love the flute i love the whole mm. studio version other than that
2: yeah but the quieter bits i think the were better on better. foxtrot on yeah. the studio version and and again because this is they're they're really trying to puff up their chest here. These live shows, you know, the louder, more, you know, you aggressive. Like yeah, the more aggressive <laughs> moments just come across so much sure. more powerful.
0: I'll, I'll be honest with you. I just, I prefer, I prefer this track to soar. And the, for me, the seconds out version soars. Sure. And uh, I'm, admittedly, I am looking it through nearly... 300 years of, of uh, nostalgia now <coughs> yeah but I, I always remember the it was I it was one of those things where I, I it was the very one of the very first songs I'd ever heard with in rock music which featured a refrain okay. of previous themes yeah. and when it got to the New Jerusalem section at the end I suppose we'll we'll talk a little bit about this just that section of it with Collins singing it and I can understand why people would really love the foxtrot version there's some wonderful moments on Mm -hmm. on that recorded version but me I'm looking it through the eyes of of my 17 year old self who had his feet kicked out from under him by by Phil Collins singing that Mm -hmm. end section and of course the other side of it is it contains a huge amount of weight as Mm -hmm. well there's a a massive amount of um, joy in it. And, yeah. and pathos yeah. to some extent. And was well, it a
1: little bit slower than on Foxtrot too, that, you know, sometimes live versions get sped up and sometimes when they get slowed down just a bit, it get, it gives that weight to something that again, not that it didn't have before, but it gives it a different kind of weight that I think in that live environment works
0: really well. There's only one other version which I, I'm I'm told is is was worth the look-see, which was the 9-8 section and the New Jerusalem section that was performed on the Invisible Touch tour. Was it the Dallas show? Um, I don't know if it was Dallas, but there's some versions
1: online. I think there's one from Detroit, and... And I think we might have referenced this
0: in the past. Yeah, and, that, there was one legendary yeah. performance where for some reason a bit of magic happened yeah. that night. And,
1: and I think when my first exposure to Supper's Ready at all was from the King Biscuit Flower Hour from the Invisible Touch tour from L.A., which sent shivers down my spine the first time I heard it. And I think that... But the, the Detroit one is one of the few pieces of film... You know, from that, thats it's a handheld camcorder from, you know, from somewhere in the, not upper tier, but probably, like, mid-tier, and it's just one of those things where, one of those performances where, again, probably 90% of the people in the crowd might never have heard this before, but they all go apeshit for it, yeah. and I wonder how many of those people are still fans of the band. I hope a lot of them but you never know because it could just be in that moment then it's like oh yeah what's the next thing but I just love
0: wonderful yeah I, and I love the idea that um Mike Keneally walked out of <laughs> of a, of, a, of this concert you know not this concert yes. but a concert having heard that and gone yep yeah
1: that's that's what I want to do with the rest of my life make music so I think that there are a lot of musicians who are inspired by you know people get inspired by a lot of things but this band inspired a lot of musicians to move into, you know, doing this professionally, which I think is great.
0: So. And, and I, I will put my hand up and say that the Second Out version is, is one of those tracks that nudged me towards this. Yeah. I mean, originally I was going to be a pole dancer. <laughs> um, me too. Yeah. See. Yeah. Um, but, you know, thanks to Genesis. I'm now a penniless musician. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> but the, the ironic thing is, I know
1: a pole dancer named Genesis. So here oh, so yeah. full
4: circle.
1: You know. the, um, and the great thing about this version of Supper's Ready is that it's actually an amalgam of a couple different versions from the different nights. It's not one complete performance. It's I'd heard that. You're actually the yeah. very
0: first person who actually said that out loud yes. to me. <laughs> I didn't know
1: that. I, but yeah, it was. It was talked, yeah, it was talked about when, when Nick Davis was doing the remixes of this, he actually kind of, he didn't break down which sections were from where, but he said it's from like the, there were four, four Four nights nights, and it's from three of them. Mm -hmm. um, So it's like the 11th, 13th and 14th and the 12th, I guess doesn't have it. I could have those wrong but it is a, they an played amalgam. free bird that night of course they? Yeah. they just skipped it that one time but but again that's with a 20 minute long song you can say oh the intro to this one on monday night was the best but the wednesday night apocalypse was through the roof so let's use that one and cool. they were accurate enough that you know back in the 70s before kind of auto-tuning and getting everything lined up right you can't listen to this and say oh it's three different performances it sounds like a coherent performance which is great again it's a testament to their skill as musicians
0: and performers to put this out there it also has one of my favorite film moments which is in willow farm (laughs) that
5: laugh
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it's that maniacal laugh (laughs) that he gives i won't even attempt to do it that's that moment where I just think to myself yeah if someone had laughed like that I would be leaving the room
4: happy <laughs> boy yes and just even the the understated intro to the song supper's <laughs> ready and wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a huge yeah, yeah. like you're just that's yeah. all he had to say and yeah. the, and, the, and the crowd was with them and yeah.
3: I mean I wish and I was there out. I was <laughs>
0: yeah
3: too young to be in a rock concert in England or <laughs> Paris or whatever.
0: Right. The thing is, I'm very uh, glad they'd have, uh, they have they recorded Supper's Ready in France because if they'd have done that in England and they had gone, Supper's Ready, there would have been one bloke that went, yep.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got another comment from uh,
4: Tucker Constable. He says, honestly, if I'm being absolutely honest, I sort of prefer the seconds out version of Supper's Ready. Don't shoot. No, yeah. I, 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 I we will <laughs> welcome <laughs> you. Yes,
2: this is a safe. This is a safe place. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Skip
4: says, "I like both versions, but I have to admit that I absolutely love the cello on the studio version." Finally, from Jeremy North, he says, "Obviously, the foxtrot version is the better, but there's a oh, frisson yeah. in the live recording." frisson is that a, sure. a frisson oh. yeah <laughs> well it was recorded in paris so that <laughs> of course. Yeah. but there's a frisson in the live recording which a studio performance cannot attain
0: it's true i suppose when you put any musicians yeah. in front of an audience and uh, apart from wanting to to, uh, to sleep with the good looking girls <laughs> they'll they'll put it actually the uh, the best performance that, i mean that's the whole point of a show isn't it yeah. that interaction yeah
4: sure
0: i remember uh, one of my friends one of my college roommates
1: <laughs> Siri is trying to get involved in uh, the tabletop Genesis.
4: Siri prefers the.
0: Ask That's
3: your
4: job, listeners. Ask Siri which versions you prefer. i yeah. tell you what
0: I do. I can ask Alexa, ask Alexa which yeah. they. Yes, okay. Alexa! Which version is better of Supper's Ready, the Foxtrot version or the Seconds oh, Out version? I
5: find the answer to the question I heard. <laughs> 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 it,
1: it is unanswerable, yes. I guess. So with that, we'll move on now to The Cinema Show.
6: She dabs her skin with pretty smells concealing.
1: Show is, for me, the one track on this that I'm glad they used a version with Bill Bruford on it. Hey, I don't think they played it on the actual Wind & Wuthering tour, so they would have had to. But it's it's <laughs> actually, I, I think, the song that, when Bruford was with them, fit his style the best. I think him and Phil going crazy on this, and Bill's drumming during the first half of the track are, are you know, it, it really fits with what... You know, both Phil had done in the past, but also really fit with the version that's on this album.
3: I love this version; it's one of, of my one my favorite version. I mean, I love cinema show, but this version is amazing, especially the instrumental. It's just like ah.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. it is very good on this on
2: this uh, album. Amazing. Yeah, it's one of the greatest things to ever listen to. It's just <laughs> it's just a joy to listen to this. You know, Phil. It's great to have Phil back on the kit. You know, for an extended period of this of this live album, it's
0: not ever been one of my favorites. Oh. Uh, until mm-hmm. much later when I, I started listening to it, and I, I think it had to do with the fact that the rest of this album was very much Chester and Phil centric. Mm-hmm. And while I absolutely adore Bill Bruford as a mm-hmm. player, I felt he lacked the weight that Chester brought in later. Sure. Um, Shows that said, I am a recent convert to this track, okay. if you will, um, and I, I think it's because it the song contains a lot of that very pingy Bruford snare, yeah. mm. um, which is also very evident on the fourth side of Three Sides Live, yes. if you've got the UK version. I right. think it's the right. UK version mm-hmm. that has it, and you can hear that again, that pingy snare. Yeah. It's a very energetic track, Mm -hmm. but it's nowhere near as ferocious as when Chester and Phil are going at it.
1: Oh, sure. Oh, the ending is one of the best endings.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Cinema show.
1: It actually does end because it, in later tours, it always segued into something else. And back on Selling England tour, they had a different ending for it. So it just did kind of fade out and... Of, yeah, because it segued into um... have yourself
0: a very Merry
1: Christmas, (laughs) 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 exactly. But, um, but yeah, I I love this track, I think that this version of it is of the entire song is kind of definitive Mm. for me. Mm. So, all right, now we'll talk about the next last track on the album Dance on a Volcano.
6: Love is the lover who looks you so well. You don't want to boil as well. Start the dance.
3: Do we want the dance with me? I love them dancing a the volcano as an opener.
2: I, you know, I felt, I feel like this version is very close to the studio version, but with that being said, yeah, it's a lot more powerful as their live versions are um, here, but I agree with Ellie to some point, like I would have opened this entire live album with Dance on a Volcano, not Squonk. Mm. I mean, I guess it could be either or, but to me, yeah. Dance right. on Volcano and like 11th Earl of Mar, they're like opening songs, especially in a live setting yeah. to me. Um,
0: but... I get the sense that they were trying to make sure that people knew that Phil was the singer yeah. and wanted to end the last side with two barnstorming right. songs, which cemented the that lineup yeah. basically, mm-hmm. in the consciousness of the fans. And it was the
1: end of the main set. You know, it was Dance dance on a Volcano and Los Endos were the kind of one-two punch. And it was the embryonic, you know, drum duet in the middle mm. that, again, got expanded and just expanded as years went on. That this was kind of setting the stage for Genesis shows for a
0: long time. <laughs> I love that. Listeners... Um, what happened there was that we all looked at Tom and Tom just shrugged. I agree.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. mean, yeah. that's probably no, the most astute it, well, thing you've said all <laughs> this whole show. Well, <laughs>
4: there, more st- a, there have been astuter things I've said. Uh,
2: yeah, astuter. <laughs>
4: great cars, then. <laughs> but the, when it comes to songs that like you think of, oh, well, you've got to hear the live version of this, I uh. think I agree where like dance wouldn't stand out as a song where like, oh my gosh, the live version yeah. is so much better on Second Out than it was on Trick of the Tale. Sure. Uh, it does have a little more energy, but it's not like, it's not like, for the fifth, where the, like, it's sure. so much different, or Supper's Ready, where like, mm-hmm. people were debating which is the better version. Right. It's like, it's a nice live version and I mm-hmm. like it. And I do like the fact that they took the bookends of Trick of the Tale and merged them together into one big concert piece. Oh sure. Uh, joined by the drum duet, which, mm-hmm. you know, I still to this day, I, I'm not 100% nailing that cymbal shot when it goes into the starts to go into Los Endos. Okay. I'm almost there. Like <laughs> maybe seven <laughs> out of ten years. Times, of a couple practice. more years, I will get okay. that. I'm like, rah, 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 rah. I come in. I usually come in too early. Well, that's you know, uh, a okay. personal there. problem there. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's a great way, I think, to end the live album. Yeah, very
1: cool. Well, speaking of endings of live albums, we're now coming to Los Endos.
2: So, Simon, what do you think of this song? Fucking awesome! <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't quite hear you. What was that again? We, we is, agree. Look at Dora. Dora's Dora. Is like, what's going on? You, you just gave our dog a heart attack. Yeah, she's like... Just <laughs> how awesome already. is
1: it? It is and awesome. This, is,
2: this song on this album is the reason why I hate that I was born this year and not 20 years earlier yeah. so I could have been there when know, they right? fucking played this. This is huge. This is the song yeah. that makes me angry that I was born too late. <laughs> oh, I'm, not kidding, I'm not kidding. That was recorded in
0: 1977. To this day, that track still kicks my ass every yes. single time I listen yes. to it.
3: It is a kick-ass track, definitely. The (laughs) kick-ass
1: instrumental, and this is again, you know, the definitive version of it. It's better than the album version, which the album version is great, and we'll talk about that at some point in the future. But this version, and and I think almost any live version of this I've heard, are always on point. I've never, I don't think I've heard a bad version of this song live. Uh, The only version which is kind of uh, was when they played the vh1 rock honors yeah I thought they were, they really were cool. rusty at that point <laughs> so and, yeah. and but even yeah. that was fucking awesome yeah,
2: those <laughs> cool. fucking yeah. endos <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so, i always
0: remember um on the invisible touch tour yeah they closed the show with this and and there's a there's a lovely moment where uh it gets right to the end of the song and they come down on the snare, and then there's this space. Yeah. And in this space, it's like John Cage, four minutes and 33 seconds. <laughs> that, it, the music is, is everything but the sound. It's, it's the noise of the audience who are just about to erupt. And there's a lovely moment on, on that where you I looked up into the monitor, and I just saw Phil Collins leaning down because he knows the next Thing he does is going to let loose everything yeah. and it's the same for this album as yeah. well On you can just hear in that space the moment when he leans down the whole band are looking at him yeah. the whole concert hall is looking at him
1: This was, this was the track that ended the show for 11 years. Wow. That ended the main set. Encores came after this. But from 1976 until 1987, and then starting in for the 2000... Well, actually, it wasn't the final song of the 2007 tour uh, of the main set, because they did a couple things after Nefcoms. that, before the encore. But this was, you know, something that lasted... For a long time, where it was because it worked. If it ain't
0: broke, exactly. don't fix. <laughs>
1: so, yeah. and that was honestly one of my great disappointments about the about the '92 tour, was you know when the drum uh, duet kind of comes to a crescendo and da 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 bump, and it stops and. I Can't Dance started. Oh. Which I was like, no. <laughs> oh. And, and I, I, as you may remember from the We Can't Dance episode, I liked that song. I liked I Can't Dance. But coming at the end of a show, right after the drum duet, where there needs to be something with power. To equal what just happened or surpass what just happened, "I he's Can't Dance" the, is not that song. Not right. Exactly.
3: For a different moment of yes,
1: life. it's never the answer. <laughs> 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 and but we are talking about sections uh, out here. I know. This was I know I I
0: agree a hundred percent though. So yeah, but yeah. this was fantastic. There was one other thing I wanted to mention for years. Yeah. I didn't realize. I always thought that the crowd at the end were shout, were chanting Phil Collins.
6: <laughs> <That'd be cool. laughs> like it, yeah.
5: But it
0: isn't. It's encore. Yeah, in or French. Like, encore, en yeah.
1: encore. Encore.
0: That's an <laughs> immense Welsh accent you've got. Exactly. <laughs> <know. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> You cannot tell by my outrageous accent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: if there are any French listeners, <laughs>
0: I'm so, uh, so sorry.
2: Sorry. Yeah, uh, Mike will be in Paris in June. <laughs> Just listen for him. <laughs> yes.
0: But seriously, I mean that's. I I think that you know as as a choice of venue, they got it right yes. that night. That French crowd were amazing, yeah. and. Um, that roar that they shout up afterwards, mm-hmm. um, that that's almost as good as the uh, as the ending of the song. And yeah, sadly, exactly. so and I always liked that they they
1: ended with the Ethel Merman. There's no business, yeah. like show business. It's it was always very fitting. Did they always used to finish with until it? this 2007 tour? Yeah,
0: really.
1: Yeah, that was kind of their, their their. I don't know if they did it in the Gabriel days also. I think they might have, but that was always just kind of reminding everybody that it is show business yes. you know that's that's what they're a part of we are here to entertain you and and they did so and they hopefully continue to at some point that was very optimistic of you? know, yeah. i know I'm a, I'm a i know it's not going to happen but i i am always you know i'm happy if it were to happen
0: so. I, i'm and this is one of the reasons why albums like this are, are, are little treasures as primitive as, as it is on vinyl or, mm. or on cd or even out there in ether and internet land for for one moment i'm there yes i'm in paris that night mm-hmm. Merci anyway. paris. Yeah.
1: So, so what are our own favorite tracks of this album simon
0: dance on the volcano
1: okay really yeah, I thought you were going to say Los Endos after no, it's that actually... I, I, that's right. the reason why
0: I kept quiet. Because uh, I actually <laughs> really like the version of Dance on the Volcano here right. because of the drums. I mean, Ooh. I'm guessing... Are we calling the drum solo bit a, a part of Dancing on Volcano? I always, or... in, until, it, until the drum duet got longer, I,
1: and I always consider it part of Dance on a Volcano, the Mama Tour was the first one where the drum duet was a sta- started as a standalone piece. Before that... Uh, up through the Abitab tour, it was always part... Well, th- yeah, through the Abitab tour, it was always part of Dance Vol- on a Volcano.
0: The reason why it's Dance on a Volcano for me is because, although it wasn't the very first thing by Genesis I ever heard, it was the very first thing I ever heard of Genesis on a record. Okay. Someone had dropped the, uh, the needle down and it was Dance on a Volcano. That was the first thing I heard, and it was that was the moment I went... First love. Oh, my God, this is so much better than Iron Maiden. No <laughs> offense. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Ellie?
3: For me, Cinema Show. All
1: right. Yes, Very I love good. this
3: version. I love the instrumental better than the... I mean, I like the whole song, of course, but the instru- I love instrumentals, so it makes me want to play drums, which I don't. <laughs> <but>
1: <laughs> the uh, I will vote personally for Supper's Ready. It was a tough call, either Supper's Ready... Or Robbery,
4: Salt, and Battery. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I went with the closing of the musical box. Ah, I was thinking of that too. Just because of the way it just packs such a punch yes. on this album. That I just wish I had been there when, when that was
1: happening. Stacy?
2: Los Los Ah, there you go. Ooh, we all oh, had gonna, different ones. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's... That's rare.
1: That doesn't happen very, very true. Yeah. So, so Tom, uh, we've got a live poll this time. Yes, it's, it's live and... In, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Hey-oh.
3: <laughs> kicking.
5: Tom shows you his poll.
4: Well, there were two that really took the majority of the votes, about 64% of the votes. Wow, okay. But we'll get to those later. The first, we'll get to the song that got no votes. Aw. Robbery, Assault, Battery? No, The Carpet Crawl. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is interesting because... What? uh,
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm shocked that that (laughs) track got no... You remember to put it on the poll, right? It (laughs) was on the...
2: That just blows my mind because I've talked to a lot of Genesis fans and when we, you know... Anytime this album would come up, that was always talked about as a highlight. So yeah. I'm just shocked that it hasn't even gotten one vote.
4: Yeah. Unless those people decided
0: to vote for a different track.
2: Like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But yeah, that, that's surprising. There's other tracks on here. I'm I thought fairly was
0: easier, sure that, I mean, maybe. I'll be honest with you. There are lots of other tracks that eclipse that one on, on this. Well, I think the oh, Russians God. didn't
4: want Copper Crawl to win. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. infiltrated I mean, the poll somehow. Yes. So I, I have my top operative. This is on, on it, Genesis leagues. Yes. We're yeah. looking up to things. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, so our next to last next, next to last list with the one point five percent was Afterglow.
1: All right. That
4: really didn't get as much, probably for the same reason we said it is tough to listen to when it doesn't yeah. have the intro. Uh, then for sixth place. We have a four-way tie. A four-way tie. Wow. With 3% and, for each for Dance on a Volcano, Squonk, Landless Down on Broadway, and Musical Box. Oh, out. okay. Fifth place is a tie with Robbery Assault, and I Know What I Like.
1: Robbery, Assault, and Battery did better yes. than and Landless musical Down, box. Musical Box, Dance on a Volcano, and... That's carpet tra- crazy, tra- that's, crazy. that's crazy. It's because it's of Phil's keyboard solo. <laughs> 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 I can't believe Phil played that well. That's fantastic.
4: All right, now we're in the top four. Yeah. Number four was Firth of Fifth with 6%. <laughs> but only 6%. That's amazing. Yeah, and Los Sendos was number three with only 7%. Wow. This is, uh, Bronze was 7%. Yeah. Now the top two got 64% of their vote. With 28%, number two was Cinema Show. Okay. And with 36%, the winner was Supper's Ready. Very good. Oh, of course.
1: oh people are jealous what are you gonna do well this was fantastic this was an interesting stab at talking about a live album without really talking about the songs but more about the performance we hope it was interesting for you all we look forward to visiting you the next time we talk about a genesis or related solo album so we will sign off for now. This is Mike signing off. This is Ellie. This is Simon. This is Stacy. And this is Tom and just putting the
4: word out that anyone who realizes that we already talked a little bit about seconds uh-huh. out, if you want your refund, please write us. We'll send you all the money that you paid for the first episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's have some cookie cake. Yes. <laughs> Bye. For listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis, archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have the shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes.